The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com. Well, we are uh, continuing our our series today on the book of Jonah. We're just doing a chapter each week, so we got two more weeks. We're halfway through. Uh, And and we've uh, titled this series uh, Facing Leviathan. And uh, so just a quick reminder, maybe some of you that maybe weren't here last week, uh, we, we've titled the series Facing Leviathan because uh, in, in the ancient world uh, where the, the story of Jonah takes place, uh, there, there was always every sort of uh, mythos of each culture had this idea of sort of a, a chaos monster of the deep. And we talked last week a little bit about the Babylonian concept of this, that there's this, this some sort of sea creature seeking to unleash chaos of the world, but the gods subdue it. And, uh, and uh, in, in poetic language, the Israelite folks talk about uh, a chaos monster too. They call it Leviathan. And, and so this idea of facing Leviathan, facing the chaos that's in front of us. And so the reason we've titled this series that is because without sounding too alarmist, we live in kind of chaotic times, right? Whether it's uh, international unrest or, once again, the, the stream of tragedies that we see happen in our nation and now in our city. Or maybe, just for some of you, it's just the chaos in your personal life. But, but the reality is we're facing Leviathan. And what we talked about last week is that we have a tendency to either face it by, by sort of holing up into sort of what I call tribalism, where we're just, we protect ourselves, let's be in our nice, safe church bubble, and those enemies over there can stay over there, and we'll just be us, right, which is no good. Uh, or we can do this thing where we say, hey, let's just conform to the chaos around us. Things are changing, let's just hop on board and ride the waves. That's no good either. And so what Jonah does is the book of Jonah offers us a third way forward in the face of Leviathan. He offers us a third way forward in which we're secure in our salvation in Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to look at how prayer strengthens us in the midst of chaos. How prayer strengthens us in the midst of Leviathan. And so uh, before uh, I even get into our text today, let me just build a case. All right, let me just build a case with y'all for the importance of prayer uh, in the midst of Leviathan. Okay? Uh, So... You all know this, I'm sure. Uh, We live at a time in which we have more access to more information than any other generation before us, right? We have more access to more information than any other generation before us. And at the same time, I think you'd all agree with me, we have more mistrust of the information that we get than any other generation before us, right? Right? So, for example, like, I could go on my Facebook news feed right now. I go on it right now. And I could click on some link that some friend of mine posted about some sort of controversial issue that has really strong opinions and really strong facts about what's going on. And then I go like two people down and get another article from another friend about the exact same controversial issue that says, no, 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 they got everything completely wrong. And if you listen to them, you're an idiot, right? And so I don't know what to do. Whose story do I believe here? And so then I say to myself, well, Gabe, you shouldn't be getting your news from your newsfeed anyways. Go to the good networks. They're reliable. And, uh, and so, you know, so I go, to, I go to Fox, hear one thing, go to MSNBC, hear another thing. I say, all right, well, this is no good. All right, CNN, come on, baby. You're supposed to be down the middle. I don't know whether or not they are. We're not talking about that. Uh, you're supposed to be down the middle, all right? But then, who's on the TV? Wolf Blitzer. And who can stand listening to that guy, right? So, so there's just no hope. There's no hope. Now, of course, I don't really care about where you get your news. 
I'm just trying to point out that we live in an age that is abundant with information and that there's an abundance of mistrust of that information. And so the question becomes then, how do we gain perspective? Right? Like, like how, do we, how do we gain truth that exists outside ourselves that actually helps us engage the world well? How do we do that? Uh, well, there's a, a book called A Study of History, not a very captivating title, but it's by the, the famed uh, British historian uh, Arnold Toynbee. And, and he noted in this book that, that cultures are healed by creative leaders that engage in what he labeled withdrawal and return. So he says, hey, you may be in a chaotic culture, things may be crazy, so what do we do? How do we engage it? He says you've got to withdraw and return. Withdraw and return. And his point was this, that, that in order uh, to break the spell that our society can have over us, uh, we've got to have moments where we withdraw from the chaos. We've got to have moments where we withdraw from the questionable stream of information that's constantly coming our way. And so in summarizing Toynbee, uh, author Mark Sayers puts it like this. Once the leader has withdrawn away from the influence of the, of the society, he or she can no longer look to it for a sense of identity and meaning. Meaning must be found elsewhere, outside of the society. And see, this is what prayer offers us. An opportunity to withdraw. It's not a stream of information for us, okay? But it's an opportunity to withdraw from that which surrounds us and consumes us every single day, and it helps us gain perspective. Helps us gain God's perspective. That when we withdraw into prayer, the noise and distraction of society can finally just quiet down for a little bit. We can hear the voice. God's word can become the dominant sound in our ears. And so it can begin its healing work in us as we return to face Leviathan again. And this is what we see in the story of Jonah. Right? If you know the story, and we talked about it last week, God calls Jonah, says, hey, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. Jonah says, nope, I'm going to go the opposite way of Nineveh. And so he gets on a ship, and, uh, and God sends a storm in his mercy. God sends a storm and says, nobody, you got to listen to me. And so the sailors throw Jonah overboard. He lands, storm is calm, and then Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish, right? Crazy. We covered that last week. He gets swallowed by a fish, but it's in the withdrawal, in the belly of this fish, that Jonah experiences the power of prayer. And so this is what I want us to see in our text today about prayer. You can pray anywhere about anything in confidence. Right? This isn't rocket science today. You can pray anywhere about anything in confidence. All right, so let's get going. You can pray anywhere. Look with me at verses 1 to 2 in our text. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. All right, so, so Jonah's in the belly of the fish, and we see here his first move, stuck in a fish, first move, pray to the Lord. And notice what he says. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Now, Sheol was like a, a Hebrewism for the realm of the dead. And so what's this telling us? What's Jonah trying to tell us in this prayer? What's God showing us in this prayer? 
It tells us that, that for Jonah, he is in his lowest, most messed up, broken, rough situation that you could ever imagine. And it's in that moment that Jonah prays. And it's in that moment that God hears him. So this text is telling us is you can pray anywhere. Now, just think on that with me. Like, like how amazing is that? Just think on that with me for a second. That, that the God who hung the stars in the sky and the God who created baby's fingernails, that God, that creator God of all things, says, hey, talk to me. Anytime, anywhere. You can talk to me anytime, anywhere. It's amazing. See, I think so often when it comes to prayer, people think like, man, I just got to be in some sort of special place. I got to have this like spiritual moment. I got I to have achieved some sort of certain moral level before God's actually going to listen to me, before he's actually going to hear my prayer, before he's actually going to answer. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Right? I mean, look at Jonah, right? He is a prophet who intentionally ran away from God. Prophets aren't supposed to do that, man. It's a bad move. On top of that, he's got seaweed around his head, gastric juices of a fish floating around him, right? He's in a rough spot. And God hears him and listens to him. It's in that moment that he calls out to God. And so the reality is, man, I, I don't know what you've done or where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter. You can pray to God anywhere. He hears you. And in fact, let me say this, God only hears the prayers of sinners, right? So if you're actually perfect, you got it figured out, he's not going to listen to you, okay? He only hears the prayers of sinners. And I don't know where you're at in life, what's going on in, in, in uh, the world that surrounds you, but I do know you're not in the belly of a fish, right? God hears you. You can pray anywhere. I remember when I was uh, training to be a pastor, uh, I went to visit this lady who was uh, literally on her deathbed. I had been visiting her for, for several months, um, but she's on her deathbed. Her name was Vi. Uh, she was 104 years old. Uh, it was amazing. And, uh, and so I went to visit her uh, as she's laying there and, and um, read some scripture with her and talked with her. And I, and I just said, Vi, are you, are you in a lot of pain? And she said, yes. I said, all right, well, you know, let's pray about it. And so, so her and I uh, prayed about it. And then afterwards, I just said to her, I was like, Vi, are when I'm not here, are you able to pray on your own in the midst of this pain? I know it really hurts, but are you able to do that? And uh, what she said in response to me is something I'll never forget. She said, it's all I can do. It's all I can do. It's all I can do. So friends, I, I don't know like where you go with your pain or with your struggles or with your guilt or with your confusion or with your questions or whatever that is, but would you take a lesson from my friend Vi? Take a lesson from my friend Vi and go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. He hears, he answers anytime, anywhere. And I say that and someone says, all right, well, good for you, pastor. All right, you can pray anywhere. But, but I, I'm like, I don't know what to say to God. I don't really know what, what to talk about with him. I don't really know how to pray. What does that look like? Good news. Next part of the text shows not only can we talk to God anywhere, but we talk to him about anything. Look with me at verses 3 to 6 in our text. Jonah's praying to God, and he says this, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. 
All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, weeds wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So essentially what Jonah says here in the verses we just read is, hey, God, you cast me into the deep. God, you you threw me into this storm. God, you threw me into this hardship. You threw me into this. I was drowning. I was abandoned by you, God. The waters were crushing me. The world was closing in around me. And then he says, and yet, you brought me up out of the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. And so what do we learn from this part of the prayer? We learn that we come to God in honesty and in hope. Come to God in honesty and in hope. All right, so first of all, we, we, we come honestly. I mean, do you notice, like, what Jonah does here? Like, he's just straight up with it. He just says, God, you threw me into this. God, you threw me into a storm. You put me in a dangerous place. I thought I was going to die. You put me into this hardship. And he's not being irreverent towards his creator. He's being honest. Right? He's, he's owning the reality of his situation, and he's recognizing God's sovereignty, what I call God's in-controlness, in the midst of it. And do you do that? Like when you pray to God, do you come honest? Just lay it all out there. Again, I think sometimes, you know, like when we think of prayer, we think like, all right, I'm talking to God, and so I kind of got to put together the flowery language and put up all my good religious deeds and, and make sure that's okay, as if he doesn't actually already know who you are and what's going on in your life, right? He does, so just be honest about it. Just lay it all out there, and your prayers come honest with God. And, see, and here's why I'm harping on this. Intimacy requires honesty, right? Intimacy requires honesty. So let me just tell you what that, that looks like for me in my prayer life. Uh, so Sundays for me usually start around 6 or 6.30 in the morning, and, and I get up, get ready, and then I, I drive to the building, but I, I take a, a long route. I only live a half mile away, but I take a really long route uh, to get here uh, because I spend that time uh, in prayer. And I, of course, pray throughout the week, you know. Um, I'm a pastor. It's what we get paid to do. So, uh, you know, so not really. Well, a little bit, but uh, at any rate. Uh, and so, uh, so I, you know, I do that, but these moments are, are special for me uh, because I pray out loud. And I literally, in my head, I just imagine that as I'm driving that God is sitting in the passenger seat right there. So the people I'm passing probably think I'm crazy, but um, as I drive, and I just lay it out there. Like, whatever's going on that morning, whatever's in my head that day, like, I just, whatever's on my heart, I just kind of lay it all out there for God. God, I'm anxious about this. I'm excited about this. I, I hope this happens. I'm really worried about this. I haven't seen this family for a while. I don't know what's going on there. I think my sermon's terrible. You know, whatever it is, I don't want to go to church today. Whatever it is, I just barf it all out there. And these moments, man, like, they've become, it's, it's a very sweet moment for me. They're some of my most intimate moments with God. Where I know He hears me. I'm able to withdraw into his presence and just listen to him. And so let me just say this. Some of you, man, like God, he seems distant 
or he seems far off and you're not really sensing his presence right now. You don't really see him being with you day in and day out, that he's just not a reality in your life. And for some of you, that it could be because you're not coming honest. You're not laying out who you are before him. You're holding back. I mean, think of any other relationship you have. Like your best relationships, your closest relationships, your healthiest relationships are with people that you can be the most honest with, right? The people you can be most real with. That's who you're closest to. And it's the same with God. So we come honest to God. You want to know him, come honest. I mean, look at how Jonah talks about God. He says, Lord, if you lifted me up from the pit, oh Lord, my God. He could refer to God however he wanted to, but he said, my God, not some distant, far-off being who I don't know, but the God who I know and who knows me. And so we come to God honest in prayer, but we also come with hope. We also come with hope. Right? I mean, look again at how Jonah ends this prayer. He's, the, the, the whole first few verses we read was like, hey, everything's falling apart, everything's collapsing, this is awful, I can't believe it. I almost died. And then he ends it, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And let's just think about that for a second. Let's think of Jonah's context. Like, okay, he's not drowning in the ocean anymore, okay? But life's not real rosy for him at the moment, right? Still in a fish, hanging out there, right? He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He doesn't know what's going to happen in the next moment, what God's going to do to him, what the fish is going to do to him, if he's still going to drown. He doesn't know. He's not in a great spot. And yet, he says to God, you brought up my life from the pit. How does he do that? Why does he do that? He does it because he prays in hope. He prays in hope. And to pray in hope is to pray trusting that God keeps his promises. Let me say that again. To pray in hope is to pray trusting that God keeps his promises. See, see we come to God honestly, but we don't come irreverently because we know that he hears us and promises to respond. That, that in his word, God's made promises to you. He's made promises of healing. He's made promises of protection. Promises to provide. Promises to deliver. Promises to be present with you. And so when we pray, we pray in hope. We pray trusting in his promises. I remember uh, the toughest pastoral call I've had to date um, was like a year and a half ago now, and uh, there was a lady who was connected to our church, and uh, and she she ran an in-home daycare, and she was watching a six-month-old baby, a baby boy that died in his sleep under her care, and uh, and so I got the call from from her and her husband, and uh, I drove over there, and I got there like two minutes after the cops got there, and I remember she just like came out of the house just sobbing and just collapsed on me just collapsed on me. And she just said to me, she said, I can't. I just can't. She said, Gabe, I, I know I'm supposed to see God in the midst of this right now, but like, I just can't. And of course, like in that moment, who could, right? How could you? And so uh, we sat down, her and her husband and I, and we prayed. And we prayed honestly. Right? We said, God, this sucks. Right? Like, like this is terrible. Like, we, we don't know why this happened. We don't know what's going on. What, we, what, what is this all about? And we just laid it all out there. 
We just came honest. But then we said this. We said, but we trust in you. We trust that you're here with us now, God. We trust that you're going to bring healing. And see, friends, that's, that's what it is to pray in hope. Okay? It's not about being ignorant or naive about the reality of a given situation. It's about recognizing that God is greater than the reality of any situation you're facing. It's about recognizing that His promises are greater than any reality that you're facing. So we pray in hope. We pray in honesty. And so we can pray anywhere. We can pray about anything. And then finally, we can do it in confidence. We can do it in confidence for two reasons. God's presence and his pardon. God's presence and his pardon. Look with me at verses 7 to 8. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. And so Jonah says, God, as things were falling apart for me, my prayer came to you in your holy temple. That's key. The, the temple, of course, for the ancient Israelites was a really big deal. It was a really big deal. It was the place where God's presence rested. I mean, they believed he was, he was present with them everywhere, but, but the temple was a unique way in which his presence was really there with them in that setting. And so Jonah says, my prayer came into your presence because you're in your temple. You're real. You're real. You're not like these fake, vain idols that aren't real, that aren't getting the job done. He says, your steadfast love is real. It's present. It's here. It's on this earth. Now, friends, let me say this. If, if Jonah could pray in confidence because he recognized God's presence in the temple, how much more so we as Christians recognize God's presence in our life because Jesus was actually here on this earth, flesh and blood. That he actually walked this world, knows what it is to be human, and promises to be with us in the midst of all things to the end of the age. And even better than that, sends his spirit into our hearts and in fact, the New Testament says that our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. How much more so should we sense God's presence with that? You can pray in confidence because God is present with you. But not only do we pray in confidence because God is present with us, but because of his pardon for us. Okay, We pray in confidence not just because he's present with us, but because of his pardon for us. Look with me at verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so Jonah says, I'll sacrifice to you. And, and, and he says, uh, with the voice of thanksgiving, I'll sacrifice to you. And what he's talking about there, the sacrifice is an atoning sacrifice. Okay, so, so God gave a command to Jonah. Jonah disobeyed. And so he's got to atone for that, that there's a, there's a, a rift between him and God now. And so in the Old Testament, God knew his people would disobey him. God gave him a bunch of rules, said, you guys aren't going to keep these. And so he set up the sacrificial system. And so what would happen in the ancient Israelite community is you, uh, you sinned against God, kill a goat, the blood of the goat covers over your sin. It's the atonement for your sin. That that animal's blood is your pardon before God. 
And so because of that, a person would be made right with God. And so Jonah prays in confidence because of the pardon that God provides. Now friends, how much more so for us as Christians? That Jesus, God's son, came to earth, went to the cross to be your sacrifice. That he went to the the cross, he shed his blood so that you might be made right with God. That his blood is now your pardon. That because of what he's done, you're fully welcomed into the presence of God. You're fully brought in because of Jesus' pardon on your behalf. You're free access to the Father. Speaking of Jesus' pardon for us, uh, the author of Hebrews puts it like this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, on account of Jesus' work on the cross, God has pardoned anything that would get in the way of you having access to him. Because Jesus made a way to God, you can approach him anytime, anywhere, about anything. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see sins and flaws and brokenness. When God looks at you now, he sees his perfect son, Jesus. And he says, hey, you're welcome in my presence. Come here, come talk to your father, come talk to your dad. Come with honesty, come with hope that his promises are for you. As we pray anywhere about anything in confidence that Jesus has made a way for you to the Father. And see, when, when you do that, like, like when we get that, when you do that, like it is, it is powerful and it shapes you to face Leviathan. So uh, my wife Melissa and I really love listening to podcasts. I don't know if we have any podcast friends out here. Hey, all right, Wendy. All right. Uh, and uh, at any rate, uh, one of our favorite ones is uh, produced by NPR. It's called This American Life. Uh, any fans out there? No? Cool. You guys get it. It's great. Uh, at any rate, and, uh, and so we're listening to these episodes. We had a 20-hour car ride uh, with a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so uh, we made it. Um, but, uh, but so we're listening to these, and, and we listened to a recent episode of This American Life uh, just the other day uh, in which the, the episode was about how during World War II, Japan uh, ended up taking over parts of China. And, uh, and when they did that during World War II, they, they set up concentration camps to, uh, to bring in any uh, U.S. or British uh, citizens that were living in China at that time. And one group of U.S. and British citizens that they ended up bringing into a concentration camp uh, was a boarding school uh, filled with 150 children and their teachers. That they went to the school and they said, hey, you're coming with us into this camp. Uh, and these kids were there uh, because their parents were Christian missionaries in China. And so it was 150 little missionary kids that got taken into concentration camp away from their parents. They were there for four years. Uh, they weren't rescued for four years. And so in the story, uh, the interviewer asks one of these ladies who was a little girl at this time, and he asks her, he says, what, what was it like for you as a child? Like, how did you as a child sort of survive this ordeal? And, uh, and her answer is much longer than this, and the whole interview is very interesting. But what stuck out to me was she described what they did walking into the camp. Right? Separated from their parents, going into a place they don't know, live, die, little kids, what are they going to do? And she describes what happened as they marched into the camp. She said, as we marched into the camp, we, 150 little kids, sang Psalm 46. We sang Psalm 46. And the, the first line of Psalm 46 is, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. And she said, we just sang this psalm 
over and over and over again. And she said that did something to us, that, that shaped us to face this circumstance. I'm going to quote her here. She said, all of these words just sung into our hearts, that sticks. It's like you've got a groove sticking in a gramophone record saying, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Now, friends, that's a prayer that enables you to face Leviathan. And see, in Jesus, you have access to the Father. And you have access to come before him anywhere about anything in confidence that he hears, that he promises to answer you. Let's talk to him now. Lord God, thank you for my friends that are here today. Thank you for your word. God, teach us to pray to you in honesty and with hope, trusting that, that you're bigger than anything we face. May we withdraw and, and hear from you. May we gain your perspective. But mostly, Lord, as we communicate with you, we ask that you draw us closer and closer to our Savior, Jesus. That you point us more and more to what he's done for us. That we might know you. We thank you for that. That we can with confidence draw near to your throne. May we do it often. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.